Next Wednesday, Dylan's disappeared. Nobody's heard anything from him in three days. And Kelly blames Brenda. She's the one who drove Dylan out of here. Has he left them both for another woman? And is Brandon's girlfriend seeing her ex-lover? He is only going to be here one night. 90210. Who are you going to be with tonight, him or me? An all-new episode next Wednesday. Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 14, Wild Horses. Mary, what happened this week? Steve pushes Andrea down the hall in her wheelchair, and they talk about how he maybe won't get caught for breaking the grades computer or having a cheater key. Steve tells Herbert that everything's fine and they're not going to get caught. Brandon apologizes to Steve without ever using the words, I'm sorry. Steve asks him to grovel a little bit more. The group plans to go support David at his music showcase thing, except Brenda, who says she won't go to David's showcase because Kelly's going to be there. Donna says they're both acting juvenile. Steve might be mismanaging David's career, surprising no one. He manages <laughs> to get David into the showcase, but Steve has to pay a lot of money and David has to go on first without a sound check. Before he gets started, Kelly asks Brandon if he's heard from Dylan, but also tries to get info on what kind of shit Brenda's been talking about her. David plays his song, and the sound is all messed up. All his friends pretend it was good to make him feel better, but it doesn't make him feel better. He fires Steve. The next band has a name probably, but I don't remember it. Let's just say they're no grunge, grudge master. <laughs> All I know is that they have a guy named Diesel Stone, a.k.a. Dennis, a.k.a. Nikki's ex, who plays the guitar, who I thought was supposed to be a drummer, because I'm pretty sure she said once that David was her first keyboard player. <laughs> Nikki introduces Brandon to Diesel. They're like two sides of the same coin, I swear. Diesel said he wrote the song the band played for Nikki and invites her to a party at a dump. I'm not sure if he meant a literal dump or a dive bar, but neither would surprise me. Brandon tells Nikki they should go meet their friends at the Peach Pit like they planned, but she wants to go to the dump party with her ex. Brandon gets all mad and leaves her alone at a club again. In the morning, Brandon calls Nikki to apologize, but first, er, but finds out she didn't come home and told her aunt that she spent the night with Donna. Nikki finds Brandon at school, but he jumped to conclusions like hours ago and the yelling could not be stopped. He calls her a groupie and accuses her of making it with Weasel. <laughs> oh yeah, Diesel's band is called Waste Management, which explains the party at the dump. He shows up yeah. at West Bev to tell Nikki they got a record deal and she should come to a party with him right now instead of going to school. Brandon steps in and tries to fight Nikki's battle for her, but Nikki tells him that she'll handle it. Nikki can tell Diesel has been drinking. He forces her into his car and they drive away. Brandon answers a call at the Peach Pit from Nikki's aunt. She hoped to warn Nikki that Diesel's in town because apparently he has this little problem where he beats women up. Brandon rescues Nikki from Dennis and punches him in the face. Nikki tells Brandon he was the main reason she left San Francisco. Nikki never felt she deserved better because she didn't know what a good relationship looked like until she met Brandon, which explains a lot, honestly. 
Dylan, who has been out of contact for three days, is on the side of the road with a broken car when a cowboy named Ann Beresford puts him on the back of her horse and takes him back to her ranch to use the phone. She also gives him beer and offers him her guest house and coffee and the opportunity to ride her favorite horse, Shadowcaster, and also weird shoulder kisses and a job and mouth kisses. It's weird. (laughs) She invites him to dinner with her neighbors where she proceeds to sell her favorite horse for $1.3 million. Dylan tells her he doesn't want to grow up to be a rich asshole who can put a price on everything and leaves. Donna tries really hard to make Brenda and Kelly be friends again. She tells them they're making her senior year miserable and to stop being bitches to each other or they're both going to lose her as a friend. Kelly shows up at the Walsh house to talk to Brenda. Turns out Brenda was just calling Kelly at home. They apologize to each other. So about that whole cheater key thing, turns out the police might be on to Mr. Hutchison for more than just the grades break in. After three hours of questioning, he's ready to give Steve up to the police, even though he accepted all that blackmail money. Steve asks Herbert to take the fall because he thinks they'll go easier on him because he's a freshman. Herbert tells Steve some very true things that he needed to hear about how he is selfish and uses other people for his own benefit. Steve takes what Herbert says to heart and gives David a list of all of the best managers. He apologizes to Kelly for telling another boy she's good in bed. He confesses to Brandon that he had a cheater key all along. He apologizes to Andrea and confesses to Mrs. Teasley that he acted alone in the grades break-in thing. Steve is expelled from school. Poor Steve. Like, okay, sometimes Steve is an asshole, but, like, they've been shitting on him so hard this season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's one of those situations where you almost can't blame him because he, like, you can tell he clearly doesn't really know a whole lot better. But at the same time, he still understands the, like, value of an apology and, like, making amends and, like, all that. So, yeah, it's almost like they're forcing him to rock bottom and they're going to, like, make him hit every rock on the way down. Well, and the whole thing with David's career, David keeps getting so mad at him for all of these different things, and I don't think that's really justified. Like, I mean, forgetting to get him into this uh, showcase or whatever, totally justified, but David doesn't actually know that and then blames Steve for getting the first slot and not being able to do a sound check. And I was just like, I don't. Like, I don't get that. And you're already 30 minutes late, so why didn't you just do the sound check anyway? Right. I mean, that's kind of also, like, what you get for putting another high school student in charge of you. Like, that's what gets me, is it doesn't actually seem like David is doing anything for his own career. He's just making Steve do it, and then when Steve doesn't do it to the level David expects, he yells at him. Because he was mad at him last week about the Battle of the Bands we never saw. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I I think David just had a very, like, misplaced um, perception of Steve's connections. Because it sounded like at first he was, like, all about Steve, like, you know, like, going off and helping him with his career. But it's like, he just assumed that Steve would know all these, like, record execs and, like, would know where to book him and get gigs and stuff like that. But it's like, 
okay, okay, maybe some of that is true, but that doesn't mean he knows how to manage somebody and like manage a career. Cause that's the thing. Like he doesn't really have to do anything for David in terms of his like actual music. He just has to like book the gigs and he has to make connections, but he's also 17, 18 years old. So how, how well connected could he actually be? It almost sounds like Nikki's more connected. Oh, Nikki should be his manager. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we might never see Nikki again. Like, yeah. at the end of this episode, she talks about how she might go back to San Francisco for Thanksgiving, and I don't think she's coming back. Yeah, because um, she says, like, or she's talking about wanting to go see her parents for Thanksgiving, and Brandon's like, well, that's next week. I'll be here when you get back. And it's like, mm, that's foreshadowing. <laughs> Which is another thing. If you think about it, David's career quote unquote has only been going for three months Mm -hmm. because his first gig was at the like end of summer party at the beach club and that would have been you know what labor day weekend and now it's the week before thanksgiving and he's so like in my mind he is unjustifiably mad at steve yeah he's pretty angry like I can understand building and building and building maybe, but yeah, you're right. It's been only like three months. So like, that's not a long time to build a career, start a career and then get mad about the results of it. And it's, it's not like Steve has actually led him wrong so far. He got him the gig at the beach club. He got him the gig at the pigskin prom. He got him into the battle of the bands we never saw. And he got him into the showcase. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like, also think David doesn't realize that you have to pay your dues too. Like, cause Steve obviously knows how to get stuff based on money, but I don't think David realizes like, okay, you might have to play a shitty time slot or work with bad equipment or not have enough time to have a sound check because that's just what happens. Like you have to work your way up. You're not just immediately like a headliner. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. He was like, my my equipment's not even set up. I didn't even get to do a sound check. And I was like, why didn't you do it? Yeah. Like, Makes no he sense. Just, he sounded really spoiled this entire episode. And I do think, you know, Steve did mess up and not get him into the showcase until that day. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Steve deserved how much shit he got. Because when David goes on the air and is like, if you guys didn't know, Steve Sanders, that's S A N D E R S <laughs> fucked me over and I will be your DJ forever, which is also a lie because he's graduating at the end of the year and he's going to go to college and get over yourself. Yeah. He was just taking petty and dramatic to like a whole other level. <laughs> and Donna didn't, I didn't like that. Donna was just like, Oh, he just has a sense of humor. Like this is just him being funny. I'm like, no, Donna, this is him being petty with a capital P. Yeah, no, I wrote that he was being a butthole with capital B. And that's, like, Donna's friends with Steve, too? I don't know. She's definitely with him just because he's her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, But I guess other than that, do you want to start at the beginning? Sure. Because also, when, Mary, when you started with Steve is pushing Andrea down the hallway – I definitely expected you to end the sentence with Steve has pushed Andrea down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I was just like, wait, that didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> that wouldn't fit in with the ship at all. <laughs> it wouldn't. 
Oh my gosh. I know I literally just said that we'll start at the beginning, but when Steve goes to apologize to her and was like, I don't need an excuse to be nice to you. I know. That was sweet. Now kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Fall in love. If only. Because yeah, they start with, you know, Steve pushing Andrea down the hallway and she's like, oh yeah, they're never going to find anything. You know, I just found out that they changed the locks to the entire school. So this legacy key thing is not working out for me either. So I think we're just going to move on and whatever. And that's when Steve gets really happy about the idea that like, oh, yeah, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, it was it was actually a little unsettling when Steve was like, easy come, easy go. I was like, oh, that feels a little creepy. Like, why would you say it like that? Steve doesn't know what he's doing. I know. Well, because he's so paranoid, right? Like, he's paranoid about the investigation. He's paranoid that the janitor is going to give him up. He's paranoid that Herbert's going to crack. He's, like, you know, thinking he can, you know, wheel Andrea around and keep her close so he can learn about the investigation, which is happening. But I think he's just, like, tweaked. He just doesn't know what what to do, what to say, what to think. He just knows that he can't get caught. Yeah, I, I mean, he's totally right about it. Like, when he goes to Herbert to try and get Herbert to – I guess I'm just going to talk about Steve because <laughs> – That's fine. Whatever. Uh, but when he tries to go to Herbert to get Herbert to turn himself in and is like, oh, you're a freshman. Nobody's going to say anything to you. Meanwhile, I'm a senior. I was like, I mean, yeah, you're totally freaked out. Like, you mm-hmm. just need this to be over and this isn't the right way to do it. Yeah, because I, I mean, like, yeah, we saw it all coming, right? Like we saw from the very beginning, as soon as he pegged uh, Herbert as the guy that would break in and like could hack or whatever, we knew that he was going to try to throw him under the bus should anything happen. That's why Steve never actually did anything. He was just there. And, you know, I didn't even really write a ton about the Steve plot. I just wrote, you know, like you said, um, goes to Herbert to try to convince him to be the fall guy. He goes to the janitor and basically says, like, like they're talking about how he's being investigated now and they're giving him the runaround. And, and basically, Steve's trying to win him over with money again. And he's like, dude, money can't buy you everything. Like, this is the like money doesn't replace like this annoying. Like, I'm super close. He's like, I'm super close to my pension. I'm about to retire. And you're trying to mess all this up. Yeah, and I mean, like, when Herbert blows up on him and is like, I don't know how you can stand being you, I was like, oh, this is kind of like coming from all different fronts. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's true, though, right? Like, Steve has really good intentions, and I do believe he has a really good heart, but he's still got some pretty big flaws. Like, we've talked about how he relies on money too much. He relies on status too much. You know, he's just a little bit careless at times, and that clearly can sometimes leak into his actual personality, and he's not treating Herbert right, he's not treating Hutch right, or whatever his name is, and it's going to catch up with him. Like, he tried, I mean, he tried to game the system, and you just can't get away with that. Yeah, I mean, the same thing goes for Brandon and Andrea, too, right? Because... You know, Andrea feels betrayed when he comes to apologize to her of, like, you were only being nice to me so that you could keep an eye on this story. And, I mean, he says, no, that wasn't the case anyway. But she feels hurt that, like, 
this was a big story. This was going to be a big deal to her. This was going to, you know, I think she says at some point it was going to be like award-winning journalism or something. (laughs) And he got in the way of that for her, which if you know Andrea is a big deal. And then with Brandon at the beginning of the episode, you know, Brandon comes to apologize to him kind of (laughs) for the legacy key. And he's just like, uh, this, I'm sorry, can you apologize more? And then later is like, oh, by the way, you were totally right. Like, I did take the legacy key. It didn't work. So I bought a new one. Yeah. Which Brandon, like, semi not really apologizing is a whole other thing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this was not a great look for, like, any of the guys in the show. Basically, the only good thing that any of the boys in this episode do is at the very end when Steve, you know, goes around and makes his amends. And yeah. I mean, we had to go through so much to get to that. I know. I did love I did love when he goes to Miss Teasley and she's just like, "We need to have a talk because you know, uh, you're not smart enough to do this." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she basically calls him out and is like, "Boy, I know you did not do this by yourself. Like, I know your grades." <laughs> I think the words are, you don't know a megabyte from a mega burger. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I can't believe he wasn't just like, yeah, I pretended to be IT and got the password. It wasn't hard. That's true. Because he did, like, that was one thing he did do. I I said earlier that he didn't really ever do anything, but he actually did get the password. So for all intents and purposes, all he had to do was get the key or like get the door open. Basically he got the password. So technically there's not really any hacking to be done if you have a password. Nope. (laughs) No. Um, Well, to be fair, we don't know what grades he got in computer class. So true. if he got like a D in computer class, I could see them being like, no, we, we literally know that you would not be able to figure out this password Type in your own name and birth date and change your own grades. <laughs> Poor Steve. Poor Steve. And I mean, yeah, now he's expelled, right? Yeah. Like he's full on expelled. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're no longer a student at West Beverly High. I still think there's more up with Hutchison that they're like than they're letting on. There I don't know. has to be. I mean, the man has been blackmailing a teenager, which I don't think is the first time he's done that because yeah. of the legacy keys in the past. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, yeah, he was being investigated because he said he was the person that had the keys to get into the school. And he was just like, I'm not going down for this, Steve. Yeah, but you're crooked and gross and you have pictures of naked ladies up in your office. In a school where kids attend. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that that's the part that skeeves me out. Like, it's just off a main hallway. It's like Mrs. Teasley's office, the nurse's office, the janitor closet. Yeah, yeah, it's just gross. Like, I mean, truly, I know. Obviously, like Steve, I, I know what happens to Steve. So something else is coming. Like this is not. This was supposed to be a cliffhanger, obviously, but yeah, something else has to happen. Yeah, Steve Lodge 2020 does not end here. <laughs> it continues. I mean, he's not kicked out of school forever. Like, I hate to say this, but I get the feeling that he's going to end up back in school some way or another. Or, like, he's not going to get a GED. He's going to end up back in school um, because of his family's, like, power and influence and money. And I feel like he's 
going to not have learned anything. Probably not. I don't want that to be the case. I think that is going to be the case. I want something to happen that makes things work out for him, but I also want him to learn a lesson. Like, can we not get a happy medium? (laughs) Yeah, good point. Right? Like, I think he gets shit on all the time, and then something works out for him, and then at the end of it, he doesn't actually learn anything, but yeah, he ends up at least back at square one. Mm -hmm. I think that's happened to him several times. (laughs) Uh, well, that's the Steve story for this week. He was kind of the, was he the C plot or was he the B plot? Maybe the B plot. I would like to make him the B plot because yeah. I can't make, if I can make Dylan's story as far down the list as possible, I will do it because I don't care. All it's right. The D plot for Dylan and also dumb. <laughs> yeah. Right? Then like, why don't we go ahead and like go through that super fast because I hated everything about it. I hated everything about it. I'm so ready to get it over with. And it's so short and doesn't yeah. make any sense for anything. It really doesn't. Um, yeah, because you find out that he's been gone for three days and you mostly find it out because Brenda is talking to Donna about it. And right, it was Donna, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, because she says, you know, oh, uh, what did he say? When Dylan was leaving, he looked really like – about to blow and then Brenda's basically yeah when he gets like that he'll go straight to the bottle and then did y'all know the post notice the poster right behind her no it said you'll need a lot more than luck if you drink and drive oh damn yeah like I I can't tell if all of the people on this show are as smart as I want them to be but I was just like this is maybe the third or fourth time I've seen a poster directly behind people like this yeah, I think it was like mm-hmm. the episode where Brenda and Dylan like sort of break up after the pregnancy scare and there was like a poster in between them that said something about like AIDS or HIV or something like that. I, I think know. there was they had like two in that episode cuz there was one about yeah, AIDS or pregnancy or you know, something sex related. But then there was like a goodbye poster too because it was the end of the school year. And then there was the big poster behind Andrea and Brandon when they were talking about having sex. (laughs) I love that that one just said, go for it. I know. (laughs) So many mixed signals. That's subliminal messaging, though. (laughs) Well, and I think Brandon has been in front of pointed posters like that at other times, too, because I feel like I don't remember who he was talking to. But I feel like he was yelling at them about sex. And I do feel like maybe that was where the pregnancy poster was. I mean, it sounds right. Like, as soon as you said Brandon yelling, I was like, yep, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Brandon yelling about, like, calling a woman what she should or shouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that tracks. That right. <laughs> I feel like if I ever rewatch this show, I'm going to have to pay more attention to what is on the posters behind everybody because it's like when I rewatch Community, I, I'll like notice more things that are written on the blackboard, like during classes and stuff. And it's usually like really funny things. So, like, if I ever decide to rewatch seasons one <laughs> through three of this show, that's all I'm going to be paying attention to is what's going on behind their heads. I mean, you might as well because 
sometimes the action going on in the scene is not that interesting. And then you're just like, oh, there's a poster about drinking right behind them while they're talking about drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know who had to go to, like, the Scholastic Book Fair and just buy all these posters up. Oh, man. I always wonder stuff like that. Like, I wonder where – because I know there's, like, a – got to be, like, some – almost like a room of requirement for props and, and like stuff like that. But I'm just like, where, like, where do you get it all? Like, cause teachers need this stuff or like, do you donate it back to the education system? Like once you're done, like, where does it all come from? <laughs> well, and then the other question, you know, this was shot on a lot, right? So like if there were other teen shows going on right now, where were they like, okay, well we're done with the, you need more than luck when you drink and drive, send it over to, Dawson's Creek maybe I mean because you I mean you know like Boy Meets World and I think it was like smart guy used the same classroom sets so and I think Saved by the Bell and somebody else did but yeah it's like definitely they reuse sets so you'd think they would reuse props I mean you might as well yeah if you've got them and these are some good posters so (laughs) high quality (laughs) Or is this a completely different thing where they actually went to printers and were like, we have a brilliant idea. We need you to make this poster for us. It could happen. But yeah, it's it's probably my new favorite thing to just be like, all right, who's wearing what color? Is there a contrasting color? What's going on in the background? What's on the posters? Like when Mary sent the video of Brandon in the background at the Peach Pit, like – that was quality. Yeah. That was my favorite scene, I think. That was probably my favorite thing I've ever seen Brandon do. And it was so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but I just loved it. Because, like, he, like, walks, like, to the payphone, picks it up, does a punch with the phone in his hand, like, puts it to his ear, sits down, pulls his spatula out of his apron and a towel out of his back pocket. Like, I need these to talk on the phone. <laughs> uh, it was just amazing. Well, and Brilliant, like, Jason Priestley. Thank you. <laughs> I just, it was so, like, hammy. And he served no purpose in that scene because... Literally, the scene starts with him being like, why do the customers call us on the payphone? And then he leaves. (laughs) But he's in the background being like, no, no, this is the Brandon show. He really commanded attention and (laughs) I applaud him for it just this once. That is hilarious, though. I didn't even think about how he just said, why do they call us on the payphone? And then leaves. He just, that's it. (laughs) I feel like they just... I don't know why they wanted him on screen for that. Like, I know he needed to answer the phone because it was Nikki's aunt, but why couldn't the phone ring, like, behind the counter or in the back room? He's like, oh, got to get the phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. that would have done just as well, but I'm kind of glad that it worked out the way it did because that punch was everything. <laughs> it was so much. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah, no, it's my new thing of, like, I'm going to start – paying more attention to the background so all right mary's gonna give a synopsis of what happens in the front caitlin's gonna break it down and then i'm gonna be like but they put new wallpaper up (laughs) you're gonna be like the continuity slash prop like identifier because i feel like continuity i mean you've seen like oh what am i thinking of 
there was something where it's like the scarf was over here and then it was over here and the scarf was, I'm trying to remember what it was. It may have been one tree hill. That sounds right. But like, (laughs) you know, where you see scenes and like somebody's wearing a scarf and at one point the scarf is done up this way. And then the next time you see them, it's like they're hanging down in the two threads. And then the next scene, it's like, you know, like when they flip back and forth. So it's like, you guys have got to be watching this. Like when, you know, you're in post or whatever, and you're just like watching and clipping things together. How do you not notice that? Like those things to me are crazy. It was really noticeable in like those episodes where Brenda was smoking because like the cigarette would be like two inches longer in one scene or like in one cut and then like switch camera and either the cigarette is longer or just way shorter. Yeah. So I'm like, that's someone's job. I know. That's why it bugs me so much. (laughs) No, I love little things like that. I'm going to keep an eye out as much as I can. I'm probably never going to see anything ever again now that I've mentioned it. But the thought. Yeah. That's what counts. Okay. So (laughs) this leads us to stupid Dylan. Yeah, because he's been – oh, yeah. Okay. So I want to – it's still kind of about Dylan. It's leading up to – it's the segue to Dylan. And Donna basically invites Brenda to that showcase. And then Brenda doesn't want to go if Kelly is going to be there. And this, at first, it was going to be my quote of the week, but then so many other good quotes happened throughout this episode, it it did not become it. But she said, Donna, if Kelly is going to be there, not even wild horses could drag me there. And I, I literally hit pause on <laughs> Hulu. And I was like, that is why the episode is called this? Because I had no idea what was coming. Because <laughs> then... Who knew? Perfect segue to Dylan on the side of the ro- of a road, and all of a sudden, a lady on a wild horse. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I just—it was ridiculous. She's just like, yeah, comes up to him. I—I <laughs> I actually wrote, if Kelly's going wild, horses couldn't drag me there. And then Dylan sees a woman riding a horse. What hokey bullshit is this? <laughs> it's so hokey. Like what? And and like. The horse just like trots on the road and it's like, oh, this is a thoroughfare, like a, a a common road. Let me see what this person's up to. And it's just Dylan. And then all of a sudden I'm like, are we in a porn right now? Because <laughs> <laughs> the, like, the way they talked to each other and looked at each other and the slow talking and then the like insane close up shots. I was like what is happening? Because even the music was kind of porn-like, and we've had this music the whole show. Also, I was like, what is happening? I don't like this. I'm very uncomfortable. No, it was the stupidest thing in the world. And then, yeah, like, you know, she gets him onto her horse. It's like, oh, you can make a call at the ranch because your car's broken down. Gets him back. He calls, you know, like the one pep boys in a hundred mile radius <laughs> or whatever. And is like, yeah, he kept saying he doesn't service uh, foreign cars or your only services U.S. cars and then she hands him a beer and I was like you don't this is a child I, that was my thing too I'm like I get that Luke Perry looks older than 18 but in the context of the show he's a child he's supposed to look like a child yeah and then yeah she just hands him this beer and then is like oh well you know there's a bed and breakfast nearby or my bed <laughs> Like, I swear, she offers him the guest house, but really, let's be honest. It's still, like, the entire time they were together, anytime it was just the two of them, 
I was like, yep, still porn, just waiting for it, like just waiting for the undressing to start. And because even in that little room, it was like all wood panel and she hands on the beer and she's I don't even I didn't write down a thing, a, a single thing she said, because all of it was forgettable and awkward. Yeah, because like none of it means anything. This is the next scene we see them in. Um, they're going for a ride together and Dylan is going to ride on her prized thoroughbred shadow whatever shadow caster uh, that's it <laughs> and they go for this ride and they like pull over next to a creek and dylan's like well you haven't told me anything about you and she's like well what do you want to know and then he's like i don't know what do you want to tell me yeah their dialogue was trash yeah, and then the first thing out of her mouth isn't like, well, my name is Anne. I'm 25. I was born in Van Nuys. Like, the first thing out of her mouth is like, well, I got kicked out of boarding school for sex. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a porn. <laughs> it was so dumb. And then, yeah, like, that was supposed to be some kind of thing of like, oh, so you like to have sex. Yeah. Yeah, we're all like, like okay. We're all aware that she is DTF, and he doesn't get it, apparently. <laughs> Did she even say how old she was? No. Okay, I don't think so. I think so, because I was like, you're 40. I know. I, I could not tell how old she was just by looking at her, because obviously we have Andrea on this show, but <laughs> <laughs> I knew, like, she seemed like she could have been a mother. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. somebody's mom. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then when she starts talking about how she has this huge trust fund and she just grew up like a poor little rich girl and the only way to get her in line was to marry her off to some other rich man. Like, I almost kind of thought this would have been more of a turnoff to Dylan. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, this is not the thing he usually goes for. But then she got into, like, yeah, the weird nuzzling and the neck kissing and the face kissing and then whatever. I don't care. I forgot to um, tell you guys during that time when she was telling Dylan she could ride Shadowcaster. I guess they were in the stables or something. She says something. I did write down one thing she wrote or one thing she said. And she goes, horses get bored if they're always ridden by the same person. And I was like, excuse me, ma'am? <laughs> I was like, you're describing Dylan's situation with Kelly and Don or Kelly and Brenda right now. Exactly. God, yeah. everything about this stupid plot was uncomfortable. And then, yeah, they talk about they have that weird ass dinner with a full pour of wine in one glass. I wrote that. I was like, that is not actually a glass of wine. Like, no. someone did that who didn't know what they were doing. And then, yeah, she keeps trying to ply Dylan with alcohol. And I was like, I don't see him drinking it, but it's not like he's not telling her that he doesn't drink. Right. Right. And it's weird. And he's a child. <laughs> and you're a mother. <laughs> <laughs> And then that creepy dude who, like, is so aggressive about wanting to buy this horse. Like, he – I was like, first of all, this dude looked like he ate a bunch of hot chicken because he was, like, kind of sweaty and, like, <laughs> like feeling the spice, like, and aggressively talking. And he's like, 
600 grand. No, 700. No, he kept upping himself. I'm like, dude, this is not how auctions work. <laughs> well, and then before they got into buying the horse, they were talking about like legal slavery. Yeah. What? Like, yeah, the woman was like, I actually really like your opinions on indentured servitude. Now, about that horse, <laughs> what the fuck were these people? <laughs> I wonder if Jordan Peele got the idea for Get Out from those people. <laughs> he watched this episode and was just like, what the fuck are white people doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. Yeah, and then like they bring Dylan into the conversation about the horse and she ends up selling the horse for $1.3 million. And Dylan is just like, how could you sell a priceless horse? And I'm like, because a horse costs $1.3 million. So yeah, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> also, do horses cost that much? I think they can. I don't know anything about horses. Yeah, I don't yeah, either. They have to like win things or something. But yeah, one point I mean, three million dollars. Oh, I, I don't think know. they have to have earned it, and I think yeah, they have to be like for breeding and like that kind of a thing. Because yeah. I know you can get like stud fees and whatnot. Um, Holy and, shit! Yeah. Oh, Sorry, I just it? googled what is the most expensive horse <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Fugoichi Pegasus was sold for $70 million. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? $70 million. Holy moly. Oh, my God. So, In okay. In the year 2000. So, the year 2000 money. <laughs> Which in 1992 money is? <laughs> like, $30 million? I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't say, keep like, track of all of the recessions and shit. Yeah. Also, oh I don't God. know. I'm bad with big numbers. So who knows? I could have just said dollars. Yeah, too many for a damn horse. I oh. just loved before they went on the ride, uh, I think it was just like some other stable hand coming by being like, oh, yeah, you really like Shadowcaster and talking about how much money he was worth. And Dylan was like, I'm sorry, sir. This is a Porsche. And the guy was like, you don't what <laughs> I didn't know horses could go for 70 million dollars but I did know that Porsches cost more than or Porsches cost less than horses I didn't know that Porsches cost less than horses like oh I I knew that I didn't know horses could be like several hundred thousand dollars much less 70 million they're expensive especially if they've got like certificates and shit like it's mm -hmm. like dog and cat breeding but like to the extreme jeez that's crazy yeah yeah when i was in high school i knew a bunch of people that lived in like the milton alpharetta area and there were a ton of people up there that like lived on horse farms or rode horses and like they weren't they were like friends of friends but i did know people that owned their own horses and like rode dressage and all that kind of stuff and it was just like this is a level of wealth that I cannot understand. Yeah, seriously. Gosh. I mean, moral of the story is I'm really glad we wasted a whole plot with Dylan on this. Yeah, because at the end of this, he just yells at her and is like, I'm not a car thief. I'm richer than you are. Yeah. <laughs> I loved her being like, why should I believe you? Like, how did they all think he, they just were convinced he was a car thief. <laughs> like, this man's a child. 
She has a trust fund. How could she not be like, he might have a trust fund? God. Is it because he just wore that one wife beater the whole time? (laughs) Her rich kid sense was not tingling that day. (laughs) It's because she just wanted to bone him. Exactly. She wanted it to be a porn too. So she... (laughs) She wanted it to be the young hot car thief just stole a Porsche and went to go drive it down the PCH where it broke down at her horse farm. And so she took him in and they just boned until he left. That's what she wanted. I just, I'm trying to think of a fun name for what that poor name would be. (laughs) What is it like? Oh God, I don't know. It's got to be something about horsepower. Or like getting back on the saddle or or like riding. <laughs> I don't know. It's too many. It could, yeah, what if it was like Dylan McKay and Horsepower 2 back in the saddle? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Send us your porn names to back2podcast at gmail.com. Jesus Christ. Oh. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. I can't even with this. It's freaking fly. Okay, let's please move on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because that was it. Then he leaves. And I don't know, maybe he'll be back in Beverly Hills next week. Maybe. Um, maybe he'll have another side adventure that's more interesting <laughs> than this one was. God, we can only hope. I mean, what if, like, honestly, they were trying to, like, feel out a spinoff for Dylan or something? You know, like maybe they were trying to write him I off. I see it. And here's a spinoff. But wait, no, they decided, no, he's better at porn than just a TV spinoff. So <laughs> we'll just keep him on West Bev. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah, they already spun off Melrose Place. So, you know, he could easily. I wonder if he just like shows up in some Melrose Place episodes. He might. It's very mm-hmm. unclear, like where he was going or where he even was. I mean, he's just Dylan. He's just, he can't be, he can't be stable. He's not, God, I'm trying to bring it back to horses. (laughs) It's not working. He's a wild horse that can't be broken. (laughs) I I like that you were about to say he can't be stabled because that, that would have just made me laugh. (laughs) I was trying not to. I was like, there's better words here. (laughs) I mean, no, I've. I really think that I'm forgetting my vocabulary in quarantine. (laughs) Like, we were trying to make something yesterday or, like, a couple days ago on the stove, and I just stood there and pointed at the pot on the stove. (laughs) (laughs) And John was, like, off doing other things, and I was like, yeah, the, the, the pot. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I could not remember. I was like. Am I getting stupid? I mean, this episode, sure, like this part of it surely would make you stupid. <laughs> I was struggling so bad. I'm convinced, though, like after I had that problem, John was like, maybe you and I are not challenging each other mentally in this quarantine anymore. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. We, we just need to talk to other people because we're literally just forgetting words. Yeah. No, Nate and I are not challenging each other at all. We're like probably talking less than we talked <laughs> We ever have. <laughs> Every now and then we'll be in separate rooms and he'll like slack me from the other room. And I'm like, I haven't. What? <laughs> this is where we are now? Oh, it happens all the time because like 
now that I have my different setup for work, he like our backs are basically to each other in a way and I'll be just chilling like I don't even have headphones in and then I'll get a slack message and I just turn (laughs) and I answer whatever like it's like you know what do you want for lunch I'll be like a sandwich (laughs) (laughs) and it makes them laugh every time so I guess that's our thing now (laughs) that's so cute it's something Yeah, no, it's it's definitely gotten to that point where, like, he'll send me a Slack or, like, he'll just, like, share a tweet with me through Twitter rather than being, like, look at this tweet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and now that we're done with the wild horses, we can go back to, let's see. <laughs> Rock and roll guitarists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We're at the – yeah, so this is when we get to the showcase, and it's after David went on and had his super shitty set, and then he comes to sit with them, and then the next band is announced, and it's – yeah, it's like Diesel and the Waste Management Crew or something, yeah. which the guitarist got his name on the band. I thought the same thing. I was like, how is the guitarist the front like leader of the band? Like, how did that happen? But yeah, as soon as they say Diesel, you see Nikki's face just like, oh no. Mm-hmm. And then David Arquette is the hot rocker. Oh my God. I I wasn't expecting it. I mean, I saw his name on the like guest starring or whatever, but I wasn't expect I still wasn't expecting him. And I forgot I I completely forgot about this man in business. I know. <laughs> Yeah, like John was walking through when he showed up and I was like, that's David Arquette. And he was like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) I was like, he was married to Courtney Cox, like all through friends. And he was like, Mm -hmm. no. And I was like, he was in all of the Scream movies as Dewey. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I just love when things come back to Scream. (laughs) Oh, Scream is so good. <sighs> he... Between him and fucking Skeetle Rick. <laughs> Skeetle Skeet. God, I can't with that guy. Every oh, time Skeet. you guys bring him up, I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, but really, Skeet would have been so good in this role. Because that was back when he was attractive, right? Or oh is he attractive God. now? He's more attractive Both? now, but he also was sexy murder boyfriend. Mm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he played sexy murder boyfriend and, like, the villain in The Craft and Scream. So, like, putting him as the abusive alcoholic ex-boyfriend in this would have been yeah. totally on brand. Yeah, that would track. That's true. I kind of want it now. <laughs> right? But I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take what we got. It's fine. It was fine. But, like, hindsight. But surely, like, Skeetle Rick would have been a much better actor than David Arquette was in this episode. Oh, my God. I wrote that down because I was like, note to self, rewatch Scream and see if Dewey was this bad in Scream. He's so bad. Like, he was so bad. I was baffled by how, like, he made every single other actor that we've ever said is a bad actor look like an Emmy winner. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, no. There was one specific scene where they're in his house and he just like walks away from her and goes to drink a beer like really far upstage. Or I guess mm-hmm. it was downstage. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> He's well, reading off a cue card. So also like he kind of sounded like and looked like Ryan Gosling a little bit. I don't know if you guys could yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And then he, like, as I was typing it, I literally was like, well, well, here's my whole little spiel. I said, Diesel Stone and the Waste Management. Nikki used to date David Arquette. He kind of looks like and sounds like Ryan Gosling. How does Nikki get all these older dudes? David Arquette is a grown man. I say Ryan Gosling and he just calls LA 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 Land and calls Brandon the Beave. <laughs> oh my God. I loved when he called him the Beave. Okay. So I just looked it up. Skeet would have been 23 around the time this episode came out. So he would have been perfect. Yeah, he would have been perfect. Also, but seriously, how does Nikki keep getting all of these old-ass dudes? Because isn't she supposed to be, like, 14? I think, I think she's a sophomore. Oh, yeah, she's a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. this would have been, like, last year or at least some months ago. Yeah, it would have been, been before the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they bring in these other teenagers who have, like, lived a life. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have time. They're I children. Know. Exactly. Like, I don't understand. Like, okay, I I get that a 14-year-old can, like, have a boyfriend and have a relationship and all this stuff. But it it is hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that she, at 14, was in an abusive relationship with a wannabe rock and roll guitarist. And it got so bad that she couldn't live with her parents anymore. Yeah, and she had to go ahead and move to Beverly Hills and start a brand new school year here. Yeah, so, essentially start a brand new life. Yeah. It's just, it just – and I think it throws me off too because Nikki actually looks young. Like she – I feel like she and maybe David are the only of the folks that are normally on our screen who actually look like they could be the age that they are. And then you throw in David Arquette, who has, like, the full beard going on. Like, he just looks like an old dude. Like, just like Anne looked like a mom. He looks like he could definitely be a dad. And I'm like, this, I don't know. It just kind of blows my mind a little bit. But. Yeah. And then after his set, Nikki wants to go say hi to him. And then she goes to talk to him. And Brandon just, like, stands, I don't know, five feet to the left and looks angry. Mm-hmm. Like, just that. And then she's like, oh, I'm here with my boyfriend. Come over here. And that's when he calls in the beeve. And then <laughs> they get in a huge fight because all of her friends from her old town are in town for one night. And Brandon's like, well, why don't you want to go see David? How dare you? Yeah. It's like, bruh, like, you're you're just, like, flexing here because, like, you're so jealous and so intimidated by a guitarist and – He's literally just like she all she wants like she's never given Brandon any reason not to trust her. And then so obviously Brandon's just like getting all riled up because that's what he does. And he's just like, bye, Nikki. And then leaves. Yeah. yeah. And I did love the next morning. He's like complaining to Brenda. I love it. She's like, Yeah, I haven't seen or heard from Dylan in three days. And he's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about my problems. <laughs> he's the worst. But then, yeah, he's complaining about this, and she's like, why didn't you guys just go to this guy's party for, like, 15 minutes? Like, yeah, why would you abandon her? Right. That is, like, literal just 
compromise. This is conflict resolution. This is just like, let's just do this for a little bit. And then you're still going to be with me the entire night. And then I love when Brenda was like, you know, Brandon, when you're jealous, you're so judgmental. Like, yes, he is. Well, first of all, he's judgmental all the time. But also, yes, when he's jealous. (laughs) At least we can call it out sometimes. Yes. And like he I think she also called him petty, too, which is wonderful. Well, and then I love that Brandon says something, and I don't think this is a verbatim quote, but he says basically like that whole rock star, wannabe rock star groupie scene, it's weak. And I was like, your friend David wants to be in the music business. (laughs) Your girlfriend Nikki wants to be in the music business or like is really into music. You're kind of an asshole. Yeah. He just, he says like, I think he just says whatever people want to hear sometimes like in the sense of you know David wants to do this Nikki wants to be in the music biz and maybe he's like at the time he's like oh that's super cool but then his true feelings come out at the wrong wrong time always so I always feel like he just doesn't really know what he likes and doesn't like until he has to be forced to like confront it or something Mm -hmm. I feel like Brandon just hates anything that's not his idea first yeah (laughs) That's probably very true. Oh, yeah. And it's like he hates anything that threatens him or threatens his dominance, I guess. Like, that sounds weird. But it's like I truly believe that Brandon thinks he's an alpha. And like if anything gets in the way of that or even threatens people knowing that he's an alpha, he's going to hate it immediately, no matter what it is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's fine with pretty much anything until – there's some negative thing that affects him personally. And then he's like, well, I was against this from the start or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The only thing we know he truly doesn't like is dancing. Yeah. He loves to shit on things that other people love. Right. But then he changes his mind about dancing because he realizes it'll get him laid. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, he, just, he sucks. He sucks so bad. Because. <sighs> Then Nikki comes up to him and is like, by the time I showed up to the house, they were all partying really hard and then I drank too much tequila and I fell asleep. And Brandon's just like, you made out with him, didn't you? Oh, he said you made it with him. Oh, you made it with him. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. Okay. He accused her of so sleeping with him, not just kissing. What gave him the right to say any of that? And then she's apologizing to him for him being an asshole, basically. Yeah. This, like, this fight is really bad. He's the one in the wrong, and she keeps apologizing to him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah, later when she's like, well, I didn't know a good relationship until I met you, I was like, mm, you still don't know a good relationship. Yeah, this is clearly a toxic relationship. I mean, it's almost it almost proves the point that this isn't a good relationship because literally almost the next scene – I'm sorry, it was, like, after Dylan and Anne, but – we get back and Nikki's like outside frantically apologizing to Donna for not being there for David at the Peach Pit. And Donna is immediately like, oh, it's no big deal. And it's yeah. like, yeah, because it's not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, Brenda wasn't there either. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like, everyone else was there. And I mean, I did think David overreacted because, I mean, he's fine. It's been three months. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Well, and that's uh, the thing he didn't he, he like if David wasn't getting mad about Nikki or Brenda or anybody else for not being there, it's not Brandon's place to get mad for him like on his behalf if he wasn't even really offended. He David was probably way too preoccupied being mad at Steve. 
Oh, yeah. Like, that's I don't think any of it mattered. I think it only mattered to Brandon and he was using David as an excuse because yeah. he didn't want Nikki hanging out with other boys because he is possessive of her because he oh, is totally. making this a toxic relationship. Yeah, but you know, because we have to always remember that Brandon isn't the worst. I mean, he is the worst to us, but like the show always says, yeah, Brandon might suck, but he's never the worst because then we see like Nikki gets forced to go with Diesel or Dennis or whatever in his car during school, which again, the show baffles me when they always just interrupt school. Like, it's fine. We're just going to leave. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And she goes to this party or whatever, but she's really just like left alone with the bandmates because he wanted to go get some cigarettes. But then he leaves her for like two hours, comes back to the house with some random girl and the guys are gone. So she's by herself and she's like not happy about it. And then he like fucking slaps her right in the face. Well, so when he comes to get her at the school, I mean, he basically kidnaps her. Well, yeah. And the way he was like grabbing onto her like arms and stuff and like force her, for goodness, forcing her into the car. It was so aggressive. That's what I mean. Like none of this was you know, at will, like this was against her will. He was grabbing her. He was pulling on her and she's like, oh, you've been drinking. And he was like, just get in the car. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I can't, he was like, I can't believe you left me for that guy. And she's like, you know why I left you. And then he, yeah, takes her away. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like he walks in with this other girl. I think her name was like Amy or something, which I, the only reason I was thinking about that is you know, Nikki starts yelling at him and then, yeah, he starts like pushing her around and grabbing her and hitting her and all this stuff. And this other woman's just in the house ready to have sex with him. Yeah, apparently. Where'd she go? I don't know. That was kind of weird. How it was like, it was almost a matter of like two scenes or something. And it was like, here she is. Nope, not she's not here. But where is she? Where'd she go? Yeah. But then it doesn't matter because Nikki's aunt had called the beat the peach pit looking for Nikki and that's when Brandon knows to go look for her and how he knows what house to go find her at I don't know (laughs) but then he manages to knock Diesel out in two hits and just leaves and I loved that he was like oh yeah I'm whatever they say to like lead up to the fight and then Diesel goes to hit him and he ducks and then just like one to the kidneys and one to the face and then he's standing there trying to look all like hot but he's in his little peach pit uniform <laughs> yeah like oh my god it is so unrealistic to me that brandon could win this fight oh i agree i mean diesel would have had to been like completely wasted for brandon to succeed here <laughs> which i mean frankly he might have been but i was like i don't i don't buy this and then brandon takes her back to his house gives her some tea and a bag of ice and then talk shit about Cindy in like a jokey way yeah or like it was just an unnecessary joke that I was like I don't really like it because like Cindy's a really good mom and you act like you have any say in this household whatsoever yeah he said like like um Nikki says yeah Nikki says like your mom's sweet and he's like yeah we trained her well like Ew. And not, honestly, not a very good time to say something like that ever. But especially right now, after you, your girlfriend literally just got like pushed around and dragged around and everything against her will. So why would like a train joke 
I don't know. It was just poor timing. No, it was not fantastic. And then, like, her aunt is going to come pick her up, and then she has the whole conversation about how she'll go see her family, and she didn't know a good relationship until she met Brandon and whatever, and that's the end of that. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that was, I don't, I mean, I wonder if that was, like you said earlier, like, just a way to either get Nikki off the show or even just to give us a time of re- like a reference of where we are in time, because I feel like we never get that. And all of a sudden, bam, it's Christmas. Um, I mean, but both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but this is the, we're, the last part that we're getting to is my favorite part of the episode because I wrote in my notes, uh, where'd it go? Oh, I said Donna and, and we'll get, so I'll lead it up quickly. But basically, throughout the episode, Donna's basically been in the middle because she's still talking to Brenda. She's still talking to Kelly. But Kelly and Brenda are talking to each other. And they keep seeing each other in the hallway and not talking. But they talk to Donna and yada, yada, yada. And there's just a lot of drama. But then near the end where that wonderful Brandon in the background with the phone <laughs> happens is when Donna, I wrote down basically like Donna... Um, designed a date for her parents to get back together, aka Brenda and Kelly, because it's just adorable that she just wants them back together so, so bad. It felt like a parent trap type situation. Um, but it was cute because, you know, she just she's just trying to fix things, right? She just wants, she doesn't want to be in the middle. She just wants to be, she wants her friends to all be friends with each other. But then um, there's a line that Brenda says that I was just like, holy shit, because I think it was at the peach pit and Kelly says something like, well, we all have our cross to bear and mm-hmm. Brenda goes, or our legs to uncross. And I was like, did damn. Oh. oh yeah. I wrote that down. I wrote burn. I mean, whoa. Like, but oof. I do love at the very end when Kelly shows up at the house because like, yeah, they do that whole thing. And then Donna blows up at them and it's just like, you're both being incredibly unreasonable and I don't understand what's happening here and I'm not going to deal with it. And then I love that Kelly shows up at the Walsh's house and (laughs) like goes up to Brenda's room and Brenda's on the phone, like ready to leave her a message with David. And then they're both just like, I'm sorry. I know. I know. And Again, I'm telling you, this friendship is the best part of the show, so I'm glad it didn't take very long for them to become friends again. I mean, obviously, we're missing a really big piece here, and it's the fact that Donna doesn't know that Kelly and Dylan messed around, because I feel like if she did know that, she wouldn't have tried as hard as she did to get them like to be friends again. But then also, Brenda doesn't know that Kelly and Dylan snuck around. Kelly knows, so I don't know if she still feel, feels guilty about it. But there's still that big piece. So I, I wonder when that's going to um, – that shoe's going to drop. But the next day is cool. Well, one one little thing. Did you guys notice – and maybe this is something, Ariel, that you can start noticing too when as you're looking for posters and props and such. There was a picture on Brenda's nightstand, and I was trying so hard to see what it was because it looked like a brunette and then a blonde. So I was like, oh, that might be Brenda and Kelly. But it looked very, very like they date kind of picture and but I couldn't see it enough to like actually tell because it almost looked like a hug from behind and like looking back smiling <laughs> but I couldn't tell so might have to go back and look at that um but then the next day at school I don't know if you guys noticed Kelly and Brenda 
were both wearing both black and white. Oh, oh my god, I missed it. Cause they're all they're friends again, so yeah, it literally looked like a yin yin yang because I think Kelly had on a white top with like black suspenders, I think, and black shorts. And then um did I say Kelly or did I say Brenda? I think you said Kelly. Okay, yeah. And then Brenda had, I think, a black like shirt with a with white on it or something, but it was basically like they were both wearing black and white. And I was like, huh, maybe the writers do know <laughs> and do see it. Yeah, I mean, Brenda had to. like two all black outfits this episode, and I oh, noticed yeah. at one point Kelly and Donna had like matching outfits on with long sleeve shirts and little bitty skater skirts on. Mm-hmm. And at the uh, showcase, I'm just remembering this. Kelly was wearing like a white dress or something, and I remember that because Brandon kept staring at her boobs when she was like asking, yeah, <laughs> when she was asking about like. Uh, what's Brenda said about me or whatever and then Brandon immediately is like you know I love you like a sister and I also love my sister like a sister and I'm just like then stop staring at her boobs like literally he I, kept going like looking down looking up looking down looking up yeah I mean Ugh. he gets way too close to Brenda too so that's true ew that's true. stop it Brandon <laughs> <laughs> so okay did you rate the episode I forgot to but I can give one on the fly um, I'd probably give it like, you know, after we've talked about it, I liked it more than I did. I hated the Dylan plot. So if I average that out, I'd probably say it's like a B minus maybe. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, I would honestly give it an A if the Dylan stuff didn't happen. Yeah. But because the Dylan stuff happened and it was so bad, like I just can't. So I, know. I don't know. It gets a B for bad acting oh yeah yeah like from david acting specifically god yeah. he sucked up all the acting in the show like i can't even think of good acting now that i've seen him <laughs> sorry david arquette i'm not sorry you were bad <laughs> <laughs> i feel like he got better going on because i don't feel like i hated dewey and dewey was like three years after this yeah Maybe this is again just a bad role or something or a bad dialogue because he did have he did call Brandon like a bunch of nicknames like Chomp and the Beave and Brandy. Oh yeah! Oh my God, that was so funny when he called him Brandy. <laughs> oh, okay, chalk one up to David Arquette for that. <laughs> oh, just one more thing about those two. I feel like Brandon is Dennis and Dennis is Brandon except they're like a yin yang of each other because they both have like their little vintage convertibles or whatever and they're both like into Nikki or whatever except Brandon is supposed to be like good and Dennis is like scruffy Brandon with a temper problem that also beats women I don't know I mean I don't know I what they like <laughs> I don't know I what exactly they were trying to do, but like I saw hints of this like sort of like parallel. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I meant earlier when I was like, like, it's definitely not the great, the greatest relationship between Nikki and Brandon, but wait, there's a worse one out there. So you forget that Brandon's so terrible because there's somebody who's worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking... I, that's a horrible segue. I was going to be like, speaking of worse, what's next week? <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible segue. That's not good. But maybe. 
I mean, let's see. It got the same score on IMDb. So it's, I mean, I, I don't know. But this, but weirdly, I feel like this one was, this one was definitely better than the last one. Um, mm-hmm. And it got a higher score on IMDb. So anyway, but next week we've got, it's Thanksgiving and it's season three, episode 15, The Kindness of Strangers. So that, you know, obviously flies with Thanksgiving. So we're going to have more people crashing the Walsh family holidays. For sure. I know it's happened, I think, every time so far. Yeah, I I think it's like been both Thanksgiving and Christmas that like something like that happens. And or Christmas, maybe. Yeah. But all right. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Yep. I feel like I should like celebrate Thanksgiving. Like that just gave me a (laughs) pang of like, I miss Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's great. It's a good holiday. Maybe I'll just make myself some stuffing. They sell that year round, right? I was just thinking like stuffing sounds really good right now. Right? Just like some comfort food. Yeah. Ooh, yum. Mm -hmm. Email me your stuffing recipes. Yeah. What? Yeah. What kind of food dish do, is your favorite at Thanksgiving? And is there anything unique? Because I know some folks like do some really interesting dish or something that's like a family recipe or something, you know, maybe they did at a Friendsgiving and it just sucks. So that would actually be really interesting to find out. So let us know if you have any cool, fun, yummy Thanksgiving traditions, even though we're in May. <laughs> I think it'll be like June by the time this lands, so well, closer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can email those to backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at backtopodcast. Yeah, and make sure you also um, hit up iTunes um, to give us a five-star review and or a rating and review us. And if you do review us, then we'll shout you out on the podcast. Yeah, and we really like to see those. So do that. Do that thing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, and thank you. <laughs> so from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Ariel. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>